This is the Christian Heritage London podcast from London. Well, it's a great privilege for me to be sitting here with Gavin Peacock from London originally. Yeah, just out on the southeast there, uh, just into Kent, right next to Charlton Football Club, because that's where my father played uh, professional football right. for 17 years. Yeah, right, right, yes. Uh, and then you moved whither? I moved from Eltham to Bournemouth. Uh, when I played for Bournemouth and then up to Newcastle, then back down to London when I played for Chelsea and QPR and uh, and now currently uh, living in Canada. In Calgary? Yes, Calgary, Alberta. Right, right, right. Western Canada, Rocky Mountain Territory. Right, right. And do you continue, do you run and continue to do sports out there? Keep fit. Yes, I do. I I run probably about five times a week and do weights and such. I, I, I can't run as fast as I used to and I think my... I think my tactic has changed now to, uh, I used to run to break records and now I run just to be able to run again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Survival. I think I heard you on a podcast saying yeah. how you know, we really were a lot fitter. You were running with a guy who was running less frequently than you. You said, no, I really, I'm actually quite good at this. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, when you obviously play a professional sport for your whole life and a professional football as well you have a a certain base level of of fitness that if you keep it going to some extent you're still going to be kind of uh, decent and uh, mm-hmm. and so I enjoy it and it's part of my regime if you like uh, even in in the ministry now it actually works well for me to do some exercise every day that actually helps me think clearer uh-huh. uh, throughout the day as there's a lot of desk work now mm. <laughs> and um uh, how did you come to hear the gospel go? Yeah, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home at all. Brought up in a footballing family, and, and football was God. Uh, football was my God. Uh, I, I, all I'd ever thought about doing was following in my dad's footsteps, becoming a professional. I did quite well at school, but left. Um, I went through uh, all, you know, all the stages, playing for my district and my county. When I was 15, I played for England schoolboys and kind of had the pick of all the professional clubs in the country of who to sign for. Wow. I ended up signing... Um, schoolboy forms and then professional contract for Queen's Park Rangers back in the in the mid 80s and I left school and just went straight into the professional world and and so because football was my god and it's everything the world tells you you know it's a dream career isn't it it's everything the world tells you would make you happy the fame uh, the fortune um, you know uh, being in the in crowd if you like mm. um, because it was my god if I played well I was up if I played bad I was down and I'm, I'm kind of not as satisfied with this dream career as I thought I would be so I guess I was questioning a little bit at that time and it, I was 18, living at home with my mum and dad still, and I'd travel into to West London to, to Queen's Park Rangers from there. But uh, just one Sunday evening, my mum just said, oh, I'm just going to pop along to the local church. It was a 100-metre walk to the, the Methodist church down the road. And uh, I said, oh, I'll keep you company. Uh, she just decided to go just on uh, just spur of the moment. Hmm. And I don't remember what the minister uh, preached on, but he said to me, uh, Gavin, he said, uh, after the sermon, he said, um, I have uh, I have a group that meets at my house of young people your age youth meeting um, why don't you come along I said yeah I'll, I'll, I'll come along his name was uh, Alistair Bolt Reverend Alistair Bolt and uh, I pulled up to that house that night in my XR3i which is a great 80s iconic <laughs> sports car what colour? it was a metallic blue oh yeah phenomenal <laughs> car. Um, I get out the car as I say, I got the career, I got the fame, got a little bit of money in my pocket. I'm in the in crowd. I walk into that 
living room that night, half a dozen young people in there don't have anything that, that I have. And yet when they spoke about Jesus Christ and when they prayed, there was this joy and this reality they had that I didn't have. So immediate witness was, was other Christians and, and the, you know, the joy they had uh, apparently in Christ. And then over the next few weeks, the minister began to unpack from the Bible what is the gospel. Mm. And I realized that my biggest problem wasn't gaining the approval of the crowd on a Saturday, but was being in a right relationship with God who I'd sinned against and whose judgment I deserved. And yet because of his great love in the gospel of Jesus Christ who provided a savior in the crucified and risen Christ. And um, after a couple, two or three weeks of hearing the gospel, uh, the Lord granted me uh, repentance and faith, and I, I believed upon Christ and was saved. And it was an immediate change for me mm. in terms of football was God, now Christ was God, and I was a Christian footballer, and and yeah, and so I could enjoy football, but for what it was, it, football was good, but it wasn't God. Mm. Gosh, in proportion, right? In proportion, and mm. um, and actually. You know, my sort of anxieties and this kind of uh, dissatisfaction. Of course, I was never going to really ultimately get it in football. But now I was seeking it in Christ. Um, I I think I was better on the football field. Mm, fascinating. It's like C.S. Lewis says, you know, if you look for the world, you lose it. If you look mm. for heaven, you get the world and, and, yes, and heaven. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. How glorious. Fantastic. And so you were 18 years old then? 18 years old. And... Uh, uh, within sort of six months of becoming a Christian, I was in the first team. Hmm. And I met Amanda, my future uh, wife-to-be, at an evening class in, in London. Not, she wasn't a Christian. Hmm. This is a good story because yeah. we, we were studying um, Habsburg and Bourbon Europe. And uh, it was like the first night of the classes. And the only space available was next to me. She came in late. She sat down. I thought, oh, I like this girl's smile. And uh, we got talking at the break. And... She said to me, well, so what do you do? And I thought, well, I've got the killer line here, haven't I? Professional footballer works all the time, doesn't <laughs> it? And so I said, I'm a professional footballer. She said, I don't really like football. <laughs> she wasn't interested in football at all. Yeah. But she was interested in Jesus Christ because I, I told her I was Christian. And so then Amanda started coming to church with me on a Sunday and to that youth meeting. And she was saved. And actually, she had a C.S. Lewis conversion experience. She, she was... Um, going to see her dad on the train he lives in the south of england so she's catching the train from london to uh, battle and she got on the train an unbeliever and off a believer and wow. she was sitting on the train meditating on the gospel and what she'd heard from the minister and through the preaching and at this uh, group so we met there i was in the first team and uh, a couple of years later three years later we were married that's wonderful mm. oh, bless god yeah. And it was through the ministry of some local believers, simple, humble, local London believers. Indeed. And I think, you know, I've, I've spoken to Alastair recently and, you know, one of the great things about him and what he even said today is, we, we, we just kept it simple. He said, my philosophy with uh, you guys as young people was, you know, we use the ordinary means of grace, the, the word of God, prayer and the, and the community of mm. believers. Mm. And, um, you know, that's what God's provided. And to and to believe uh, that if you use the ordinary means of grace, God will bless. Mm. And um, and so wow. it was a pure simplicity of that. And we had some rich times there just as 18, 19 year olds, just, you know, 
going to church together and then Sunday nights there in praying together and hearing the word and singing and um, and so that was the beginning of of my Christian life. Mm-hmm. I was this morning in the the church building where John Newton used to minister. Yeah, uh, taking people on a walk through this, and um, the awesome thing is, as you look around that building, you see this is a hundred and twenty seater. Mm. It's a tiny little local mm. church, but as Tim Keller says, he says I've uh, I've never come across a greater pastor mm. than uh, John Newton. Wow. And you look at, I was reading about six books over summer, I was fascinated to see pretty much all of them mm. either referred to him or to people whom he'd inspired. Because, mm. of course, he opened doors for William Carey and mm. inspired Henry Martin and encouraged mm. William Cooper and yeah. opened doors for William Wilberforce and advised him. And you think the world's been changed, again, through the humble ministry of a, of a local church. I love to take people there because... Uh, I think most of us think, yeah, my church doesn't count. You know, mm. it's the big ones that make a difference. Well, no, that little one changed the world, mm. and that's your story, isn't it? Here's a guy who says, "We kept it simple. We kept yeah. the Bible. We prayed for him. We loved him." Yeah, indeed, and it's a, it's an upside down kingdom. It's not what the world thinks is great and glorious. It's that that, as you say, the small church, and that's why I think you know. Uh, pastors who are, are on the, the front line there, battling week in, week out. Uh, against the world, the flesh and the devil, and and preaching God's word faithfully to 30, 40, 50, 60 uh, believers, they're, they're the real heroes of the faith, yeah, and, and yeah. they're the men that we need to just keep encouraging yes. and um, and keep pointing people towards the local church as God's means for yeah. the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Yeah. Well, it's delightful to hear you say that, because of course you've seen you've seen another platform, you've seen the big platform, mm. and you say the local church. I love that. <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. And to what are you up there in Calgary? You're a pastor of a church, uh, and are you involved in any other ministries and so on? Yeah, so um, I uh, moved to Calgary with my wife and children uh, 10 years ago now. After I retired from playing professional football in 2002, I worked for the BBC for six years, broadcasting, doing Match of the Day, all of these shows. It was a great it was a dream second uh, career until the Lord called me quite powerfully, I think, to uh, pastoral ministry. I started testing it out in the local church with permission of the leaders and I did some studies. And then I said to Amanda, I think I'm going to give it up and prepare for church ministry uh, proper, as it were, as a vocation, if the Lord would have it. Um, and then we looked at possibility of doing it here or maybe going away to anonymity for a while mm. where people would just hear what I had to say from the word of God and not confuse the footballer, football pundit kind of uh, persona. And so we moved to Calgary, Alberta. We knew the area. We'd been going there for quite a few years. Um, I finished my master's studies there in theology, and it was a three-year course. We were thinking about coming back, and then I got offered the uh, full-time position at, uh, at the church in Calgary. Um, so I would be associate pastor there uh, to the senior pastor, but we have a plurality of elders and three staff elders there. And I would preach in the church, do normal elder things, teach adult Sunday school, counseling, uh, elders meetings, direction of the church. The Lord has also opened up a door for me for global ministry. So I'll, I'll get invitations to come and speak in the UK here. So, you know, it might be a two or three week ministry trip a couple of times a year or Africa or China. And I, I tend to have three strands of, uh, of the way that ministry works. Evangelistic events where we'll get unbelievers in a room that'll hear my kind of life story, testimony. They're quite interested in the football mm, side, yeah. but then I'll give the clear gospel presentation. So it's the Lord has used that. I'd steered away from that 
quite a bit as a professional because of the tendency of people to put you on a platform and think because you're famous people will get saved at the same time I've seen God open doors continually for this ministry and mm-hmm. to get people in the sound of the gospel mm. is a great opportunity so evangelistic events would be one strand seminars and teaching on um, biblical sexuality biblical manhood womanhood marriage etc I'll, I'll come, come back to that in a moment and then just gospel preaching on the Sunday in church. So they're the kind of three strands of ministry that people kind of seem to invite me to mm. um, to do. And my church is very gracious and they give me space in the diary to take several weeks a year to travel. Uh, we see it as an arm of Calvary Grace. That's the name of the church, Calvary Grace Church. An arm of Calvary Grace ministry overseas. And uh, we've had some reciprocal ministry the other way from the friendships and partnerships that I've made. Cool. And included in that really is um, uh, I'm the director of international outreach for CBMW. That's the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Um, And I came on there four years ago now, three or four years ago. Uh, It was a new position created by uh, Dr. Owen Strand, who was then the president of CBMW, to further the uh, teaching and and influence of CBMW through conferences globally. Mm. Um, So... uh, uh, I'm having, uh, this is the fourth year running that we've had a CBMW UK conference and we did the first ever one in China. I did uh, last year, then uh, Africa in Johannesburg last year, Zambia, we're looking at uh, Czech Republic. So it's been amazing because CBMW is based in the US. So mm. to have then that more global feel to it, because the issues are global, of course, yes. it's great to see how God is just opening these doors and how people are really lapping up God's teaching on these issues. And, hmm. and CBMW's parachurch, again, exists to support the local church. And I have a real passion for for teaching uh, God's design for men and, and, and women and, hmm. and sexuality. And, of course, these are the hot-button topics Absolutely. where yes. the authority of God's Word is being challenged in, in our day, in and out of the church. Hmm. I'm interested to hear on, your, hear on this. Um, one thing which has fascinated me in the last 10, 15 years I think especially through the ministry of characters like John Piper, Mm. has been that we are not so much, I would perhaps suggest, uh, interested just in accuracy for the sake of accuracy, but through accuracy seeing beauty. So you've got characters like Michael Reeves talking about Trinity, and the way he's writing, you know he's worshipping. And you find characters like uh, John Piper referring to preaching as expository exaltation mm. and characters and, and no one's saying who are these crazy kooks mm. you know mm. they're saying yeah and they're finding yeah. that in jonathan edwards and they're finding yeah. that we we put out a book last year um on the reformation mm. and i was asked on the radio a few times well, what do you think there should be a reformation of now mm. and i sometimes say you know i said i was saying oh, well i wish there was a reformation of people actually reading the original reformers because they mm. just wanted you to see the beauty Indeed, of this yeah. and what you're referring to there of course as I was seeing some young women walking towards me today in London and thinking, gosh, this, you kind of feel compassion for them because the world is telling them freedom mm. this way mm. and in every way in the way that that's going will lead to death. Mm. Mm. And you're, But you're here actually speaking about this. What are your thoughts on the questions of the subject mm. and how it relates to the experience and the beauty of getting it right? Yeah, well, I, I think in 
just in basic terms, you know, when when we obey God's word and God's design, it is for human flourishing Mm. and for our joy as well as his glory. And as Jonathan Edwards says, the two of those are not opposed. You know, it is, you know, uh, and and, and Piper himself, you know, you glorify God most by enjoying him, by enjoying him, you know. And uh, so I think um, there's that aspect. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, our postmodern feminist culture has been so uh, brainwashed the the young people of this generation and you know even uh, our generation to a certain extent been brainwashed with an ideology uh, that is not of the scriptures that has taken us away and further towards a gender neutralization that number one it moves away from the authority of god's word and two then it moves away from the glory of god because mm. he created us man male and female in the image of god to to image forth something about him uniquely as in our masculinity and uniquely in our femininity of course the other thing is that uh, marriage at creation is a picture of god's love in redemption um, mm. ephesians 5 yes. which points to the marriage supper in consummation so you've got creation redemption consummation massive theological mm. uh, topics here to which masculinity and femininity play their part yes. in um, in glorifying and in illustrating these these rich truths. So these are tied to to very very deep, very de- very rich, and very very God glorifying things. But at the same time, in the wisdom of God, He's constructed a universe and constructed men and women to be so in society that when we obey these patterns and roles for, for men and women. It actually worked toward harmony uh-huh. and f- human flourishing yeah. and uh, all yeah. of these things. And and now there's such confusion on sexuality and, and gender issues out there that I don't think we've ever seen a time where the sexes have been so blurred and people don't know who they are. And even now the teaching that's come into to the school's mm. system is quite remarkable. And I think the, the, the big thing that has really hit people is the speed of it. Uh-huh. You know, that you can redefine marriage, which has been the, the cornerstone, as it were, of society to some extent for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years across all societies, has now been re- redefined within, what, a, a decade or yeah, so. It's powerful. Know? It's a powerful point. We, I was, we were listening to, we had an apologist come and speak for us a couple of years ago now. Uh, he was, uh, his name Frank Turek from America. He made this fascinating observation, which really rang out. He said, now we can choose multiple, multiple genders. You can Mm. choose this one, you can choose this one, you can choose this one. He says, have you noticed the word choose has Mm. come back in? Mm. He says, it was only 10 minutes ago we were being told, I'm born this way. Mm. But suddenly, the whole thing's changed. And now we are openly saying, it's a choice. Mm. It's a choice you Mm. can choose. As you say, it's like, it's just the, 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 (laughs) the goalposts are being moved and so on. Mm. But also I like the... um, I like the, 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 the attractive picture you're painting. My brother Simon said over uh, the summer he was quoting from Peter. You see, some would try to in- encourage a, a view of a woman. She can do everything, that, uh, nearly everything mm. a man can do in the mm. church. Nearly mm. everything. Mm. And so you get, always get sold on this picture of a, a woman. She's nearly a man. Mm. But mm. Peter says, no, no, no. The cultivation of a, of a, a sensitive and a gentle spirit has great value in the eyes of God. It's something very distinct, which God mm. says there's, there's a harmonious mm. element here which fits mm. together in a way which just saying, just do what you want, it doesn't bring freedom. You think sometimes it's amazing we still have the word free, but mm. hasn't anyone noticed that when you run at that, it doesn't actually make you free? Yeah. yeah but uh, yeah, yeah, it's no, great that you're working in that with yeah. articulation. 
And I think, uh, you know, I always say the the way that the culture is moving, it, it's untenable. So it can, it, yes. I think it'll get worse. Yes. Uh, I think we're due for worse days. But it's an untenable uh, culture. The way that it, it, you know, it, you know, two men cannot make a baby. That mm. as, as simple as that. Yes, yes. With all the other things and the legalities of everything. But here's where the, the church has got to get holy. Yes. The church has got yes. to embrace these things. Yes. Then what do we do? We present a glorious counterculture that then actually becomes um, an apologetic and, and a mission moment yeah. where as we joyfully, as you said, that, that joy in it, now we, you know, we out-celebrate, as Piper says, you out-celebrate your opposition um, because this is good and this is glorious and we love it and our women love this and men are leading and women are flourishing, yeah. that kind of thing. Then when they come back and say, like, this is just collapse, why do you live like that? Yes. It's gospel opportunity straight away. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And I think one of the keys is to get the men. Amen. We, we instruct both men and women, but we come for, you know, the attack on manhood is rife in the culture. You've got men abdicating responsibility and passive, and abuse gets the headlines, but passivity is the silent killer of manhood because it was that way in the garden where Adam stayed quiet and should have stepped in. You want to rouse men and awaken them because they're being passive. At the same time, I want to encourage men because men are getting bashed in our culture mm. as well. They're told that masculinity is toxic, that, that men are the problem. No, men aren't the problem. Sin is the problem. Amen. Um, That's right. And, you know, we need to call men because... When you get the men, you get the home, you get the church, you get the culture. There's that kick-on effect. And women flourish because they're not trying to have to fill roles that men uh, or aspiring to roles that men should actually be doing. And then it's a beautiful dance uh, between between the male and female in the church, both equal and yet gloriously fulfilling uh, their roles in this harmonious picture within the church to to glorify God. Amen. Yeah, there's a thoroughness, there's a beauty. It's, it's, It's like you're worshipping as you say it. Excellent. Now, um, uh, so Gavin, that's that to which you are up presently. Um, who have been heroes of yours that you've come across who've inspired, inspired you? We, of course, Christian Heritage London, fascinated by... Mm. I mean, we don't have a great deal of uh, ex- explosion of kingdom things happening in London at the moment. But mm. We do have awesome history. Mm. Um, the people who have brought change here because of the gospel have been people who've inspired mm. believers internationally mm. do you have any heroes particularly who've... well i would say let me start with some recent ones and go back uh, in time um john piper for the way that he's brought to life as it were even more these uh, reformation truths the doctrines of grace and i mean the first time i ever heard piper preach i thought two things i've never heard preaching like this it's electric mm-hmm and the second thing was the topic. It was on biblical manhood, oh, interestingly. Really? So wow. it kind of spurred my interest in, in that uh, topic. But um, so John Piper, I think, for that and for the joy that he has, and no one preaches the glory of God, I don't think, as, as, as well as Piper. I think Sinclair Ferguson, Dr. Ferguson's wow. writings and preaching and mm. wisdom. Mm. He's a real pastor's pastor. And mm-hmm. uh, I've gained, gleaned a lot from from him and then you know going back the doctor dr martin lloyd jones mm. you know he his preaching and his his writings like some of his writings they could have been written yesterday like you read mm. his book you read knowing the times well i've just dipped into it again and it's so insightful to to issues that we're dealing with today mm. and i yes. think with lloyd jones what you get is the emphasis on the priority of preaching mm. and i think we need to recover the this 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 confidence in the priority and authority of the pulpit 
because if you're going to get a reformation, it will happen in the pulpit first and it will flow yes. from there. Yes. And then, you know, you've got the, the Spurgeons. I love uh, Spurgeon. And all these, you know, there's a joy in God that they had as well as this robust theology. And that, that should be so. I mean, mm, if we have mm. good, robust theology, we should be joyful in it. Jonathan Edwards, mm. uh, John Owen. I'm trying to read through John Owen's works, which is a slow process. So if you probably interview me in 10 years, I'll still not be finished. But, you know, rich insight. So I think it's important for, for, uh, for pastors, for uh, Christians in the pew to be reading um, yes. rich, deep works and, yeah. and to challenge yourself because these guys, you know, you, you read Owen on sin and you think he's exhausted the subject in terms of the way that the angles that he's come at it. And so I think we can, uh, we need to be reading the old guys as well as mm. enjoying and learning from, from yeah. these current guys. And his great thing, which uh, Keller always recommends, the uh, Mortification of the Flesh, mm. republished more recently as a mortification of sin. sin. He is, um, it was originally written for teenage boys. And we're about, I'm taking a, wow. in our church plant, we're taking a bunch of the young people through Romans. But mm. we've got to Romans 8 now, and mm. now we're going to take them through the mortification of the flesh. Because I love them. So mm. bless you. Here's some great stuff. This will Indeed. set you up for life. Indeed. <laughs> it's awesome. Because Owen wants you to see Christ. What mm. does the Holy Spirit do? Does he inspire singing? Does the Holy Spirit make you feel warm? What the Holy Spirit does is he glorifies Christ. Mm. This, uh, the law couldn't do it, so God did mm. what the law couldn't do in sending his son. Well, that's nice. Yeah. And he vivifies him in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Mm. And this is, uh, Owen is glorious on that. Mm. It's rich. Mm. There's a place in London, and I'd like to take you there one time perhaps. It's up the road at um, uh, Bunhill Fields. Oh, yeah. And he's buried there. Yeah. And he walks through there, you know, because anyone who's read Owen, he becomes part of you. Mm. And you walk through there and you see it. There it says, John Owen, DD. Mm. And your mouth falls open. Because mm. it's like you're looking at <laughs> yeah. like part of your soul. And, and, and the, even the two guys that I mentioned in, in Piper and, and, and Ferguson, is Piper so influenced by Jonathan Edwards and, and Ferguson... John Owen, man. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's so right. These guys have uh, still, these old dead guys are speaking through our guys today who are actually uh, pillars in the church today for us. That's right. Amen. So to finish, any advice you'd give us, Gavin, as broad as you'd like it, how do I strengthen my left foot? <laughs> <laughs> practice, practice, practice. The way I've looked at my life and, and often planned things is not the way it's actually worked out. It's always the way God's work wanted it to work out. And it's not always been my plans. So we make our plans, but he directs our actions. And to have a, a humble disposition to prayerfully consider things according to the word of God, acknowledge him in all your ways, knowing he will uh, direct your paths. Mm. And, and to offer up your life to God and, and hold things in a, with an open hand, whether it's a career in professional football or, or the media or pastoral ministry. It's like, here I am, Lord. I, here's my heart. I offer it sincere, promptly and sincerely to you, Calvin. And would you want me to, if you want me to be a professional footballer and a Christian, that's where I'll be. If you want me to admit, that's where I'll be in, in, in the media. If you want me in ministry doing this vocation, that's where I'll be. But I'm, my identity is not in that. It's in Jesus Christ alone. And you can use me in those fields and then you can remove me. The thing that I'll be celebrating is that, that my name is, is written in the book of the Lamb and, and I'll be in heaven, not that I'm a preacher or that I'm a footballer or that I'm this or I'm that. We need to recover that because the world is telling us you take your identity from what you are, what you do. And I think that the Christian church buys into that a little bit. Even yeah. with the... 
the celebrity preacher thing that we have nowadays is you know if preachers they can write books they can suddenly be in conferences they're put up there and before you know it they're taking their identity from being the preacher being the pastor being this being that and yet i think it was the dr lloyd jones himself said as he was dying because he couldn't preach anymore and he was asked do you miss it and he said no it's, mm. no i i, I celebrate because my name's written in in the book of the lamb so, so he said yeah so i think that would be one thing and then i think a returning to the simplicity and the ordinary means of grace and i think that we need to recover in 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 the church and amongst the the people out there in the pews is to get back in the word and prayer and become people of the word and prayer mm. it's not enough just to get a good sermon on a sunday and think i'm a good christian because i go to a, a church where they preach well no you're a good christian because you obey the word of god that's preached and then part of that is that you're in that word and you're praying to to the lord so you can actually say the lord is my shepherd he is mm. my shepherd mm. and the personal individual revival will happen and then we'll get a we'll get a corporate revival <laughs> Mm, that's the only real one, isn't it? It's the only real <laughs> one, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Gavin. And thank you for your example of having seen the big and saying, oh, I believe that God does the local mm. and investing into it. Because that speaks of what the Bible says and it speaks of what the history says. The great heroes have often been people who are, as Jesus said, you have faith with the small things. Mm-hmm. And you've trusted with the great. And so, yeah, we thank you for your example in that and your, uh, your, your commitment to the right things. For more episodes of the Christian Heritage London podcast and for information on Christian Heritage London events, tours and walks, please go to christianheritagelondon.org.